0: we uh-huh. And then the very thing that I'm talking about, I I experienced twice this week. Not I experienced, but it happened around me. And even to the point where I had to make a phone call this week to a friend and just saying, saying, man, what what are you doing? And to hear the words, I know what the word says, but I don't care. With some explet, explet in there. It's just like this week, I feel like I'm being attacked for what I'm about to talk about. And, it's, and, and I want to just say up front that no matter, no matter who you are that's come in here, you are loved by God, and God so wants the best life for you. I know with this, it, there's been a lot of hate toward this, especially from the church. The church hasn't handled it properly and i'll talk about that here in a little bit here in a little bit but here's what we have to know right off the bat this morning is if you remember from last week as believers if you're not a believer in here don't worry about it you can say amen all you want to today because this is for believers okay as believers in here the word as believer the word of god this is all i said last week the word of god or scripture is the canon in which our opinions philosophies ideas and preferences are found I'm to, I had to put it up here on the screen again so, so that you can write down it because sometimes we need to understand this, how important this is. As believers, the word of God or scripture is a canon in which all our opinions, philosophies, ideas, and preferences are formed. You may have an opinion about this subject, but if it doesn't line up with this, then you are wrong. Now, if you're not a believer in here, I get why you don't hold this in authority because you haven't turned your life over to, hit to God's authority and the authority of his word. It doesn't mean that, that your opinions are right either. It just means you haven't submitted to the one true truth. And like I said, today is a hot topic question. If you know anything about Shift Church or me, you know, I don't scare away from talking about these things um, because I believe in speaking life into things. And without the word, we have no life. So we're going to look at this question today. We're going to look at this question today, and we're going to look at this this topic, and you're going to be like... This sounds like every other preacher that I hear, and I just want you to know, just hang with me until the very end, okay? But here's what you have to understand about this question, first off, all right, is that I I want to speak truth and life into this, and I'm not talking about your truth or my truth, but the only truth that really matters, and that's this. This is the only way that we're going to get to heaven. You're going to have to turn my gains down. This is the only way that we're going to have life. It's found in this word it's found in Christ. The only truth is God's truth. And now for us to answer the question submitted for today, we first must understand Paul's word. Paul's word to us in Ephesians 6.12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces. You're going to have to fix that or it's going to drive me crazy. against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our war is a spiritual war. The things that plague this world is not flesh and blood. It's, the, it's, it's a spirit that's deceiving people. We're not at war with people with people but misleading, divisive spirits. And in regards to the question that we're answering today, it's one in particular this is where things started freaking out for me this week. This one particular spirit, John records God's word about this spirit in his letter to the church of Thyatira in Revelations when he says this, he says this, and to the angel of the church at Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and those feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter uh, works at seed the first. See, this is, what, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. I know your works, your love and faith and service. Go on back, I'm going to read that verse again. Service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So John's like, I love what you're doing. There, there's one thing that he, that he can't stand and it's this, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols you may have grew up, you grew up you may have heard of, you. Well, that person has the spirit of Jezebel right and when you start talking about spirits people freak out and the spirits freak out you with me See, first we have to understand where did this spirit of Jezebel idea come from. Well, in the Old Testament, Jezebel was King Ahab's wife. And was probably one of the most immoral persons who, and used seduction to get what she wanted. She worshipped idols, and in fact, the, she worshipped a false god and the main false gods and the main god that she worshiped was Baal. And Baal was, a, was the fertility god or the sex god, y'all. Worshippers of Baal would would appease Baal's anger by sacrificing babies on the altar of Baal, which still occurs across the, around the world today, just done in clinics. See, abortion is more than just abortion. It's actually sacrifice to a, a demonic god. So you're aware. That's not the topic of today. So you guys are aware. This went downhill quick. <laughs> But it occurs in clinics around the world today. But one of the perverse tenets that's to satisfy the need up for the sacrifice and of the sacrifice and the worship of Baal was sexual immorality. Right? So but so amongst the many characteristics of the Jezebel spirit, this is the one that we're focusing on today, is sexual immorality. But one of the characteristics of Jezebel was this, is the spirit of Jezebel, it seduces and provokes sexual immorality. That's the spirit of Jezebel. So again, we are not at war with people. We are at war with the spirits. But she would, the spirit of Jezebel, it seduces and provokes sexual immorality or sex outside of the way God designed for it to work. So that goes for either the topic that we're talking about today or any form of sex outside of marriage, God ordained a marriage. Tracking with me? Okay, so with this seduction, with this divisive spirit, what you may hear is phrases like this, my body, my choice. Love is love. We have an open relationship or you, some, today's culture and the thing I dealt with this week was "Well, we're swingers and we're happy. We have an open relationship. I can sleep with whoever I want to because it's my body, my choice. Or the famous one, why I was born this way. Even somebody wrote a song about it. Lady Gaga, by the way. Don't no, if you want to know who it was. So, here's what we're going to do today. And hopefully, I'm, I ain't even apologize. I'm going to apologize. So I'm going to give you the question, lay out the biblical worldview of the topic at hand of this question, and then answer the question as best as possible. So here's the question for today. Are we sinning or is it wrong to hang out with or or be friends with people who are homosexual? How do we navigate that? So first, let me make a statement about this, about how bad the church has handled this. The church has elevated one sin to the point where it's like this sin is the worst sin of all sin. You with me? So they'll, they'll attack this, or they'll, they'll confront this, or they'll pick at people for this, but they won't pick at the pastor's house who's allowing his daughter to sleep with her boyfriend, which is equally as wrong. So off the bat, and then if, um, this is for shift church, and this is for anyway, quit picking out other people's sin to make yours look littler. Stop. Stop it. It's exactly what the spirit of Jezebel wants to in divisiveness, and is exactly what the enemy wants us to, to divide us. So to Westboro Baptist Church, to whoever pickets this, just stop, because you know, good and well, there's probably some other sexual immorality happening within, within your body, too. So just stop. So the church has handled this wrong. They've attacked this one sin above everything else, and I think Jesus will look at the church oftentimes and say, take the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of theirs. So just you want to know where I stand on how the church has handled it. They handled it, they have handled it wrong. They've handled a lot of sexual immorality stuff wrong because they've allowed sexual immorality to happen within, within the church and overlooked it, okay? So stop trying to blind people from seeing your sin by lifting others up, period. All right? Remember what we said last week. It's not about our opinions as believers. It's not about our philosophy our philosophy as believers. It's about what does the Word of God say about this topic so let's lay out the foundations okay so genesis 2 starting in verse 4 it says this these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the lord god made the earth and the heavens when no bush bush of the field was yet yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. When the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and a man became a living creature. And there's a reason why I'm reading all this, okay? So just hang with me. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight, to sight and good for food. So everybody tracking with me. So why was the created things created? Okay, tracking with me. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to, the, to water the garden, and and there it it divided and became four rivers. Now one of those was. So everybody is aware, it's, um, one of those rivers is Euphrates River, and I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but one of the prophecies in the Old Testament was that the Euphrates River would dry up. And guess what's happening? Euphrates River is dry, drying up, like massively, not just like normal stuff. Like it's drastically, like just, so. You better get your heart check. <laughs> you know saying this is just check your heart. The name of, of the first is, is Pishon. It, it is one, one that flowed around the, around the whole land of Havela, um, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Um, I don't know how to say that next word. And onyx stone are, are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the, it is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of the Assyria. And, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Here there it is. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That was one of the biggest lies in all humanity is when sin entered the world it caused man to work. No, before sin entered the world work was enjoyable. The pain in creation when sin entered entered the world, it was was the tool that we we would hate. Alright? And the Lord God commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Find Find enjoyment in everything in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die then the lord said lord god said it is no good it is no good that the man should be alone i will make him a helper fit for him now out of the ground the lord god had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature that was its name Then the man said, "This at least is bone of my bone and flesh." This is the first love song, by the way. All right, uh, this—it's a, it's a good one, I guess. That because it won her over. Um, this at la- at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, or woe man, um, because she was so good looking. Because she was taken out of man. All right. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right. So first things first. I'm not. This isn't going to be one of those lame sermons on. See, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's the stupidest thing ever. Okay. So don't be like, oh, it's just one of those. No, it's not that at all. In fact, here's what I want you to know. First things first, basic humanity, one-on-one, is that we were created to love and be loved. We were created to love and be loved. I want you to make sure you write that down. I'm waiting for the lyric to push the space bar, see if she's tracking with me. We are created to love and be loved. You're going to have to fix that ringing still. We are created to love and be loved. Basic humanity, one-on-one, we were not created to be alone. We were created for relationships. But see, relationships have been fractured because of sin in an living world. Relationships have been fractured. In fact, <clears throat> it's been fractured more because of sin and the divisive desi- the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah, I keep calling you out. Um, let me, so let me explain it this way. Okay, for those of you who are married, why do you love your spouse? Brittany asks me that all the time. Because you're beautiful. Why do you love your spouse? And oftentimes, the answer that you give has something to do with what that other person does for you. Right? What if that's a false view of love? Because our view has been fractured. Because love shouldn't be based on what the other person does for you or how they make you feel. You with me? We have a false view of love. What can this person give me? We love, we love what a person does for us, so we, we do whatever we can do to get more of that experience, don't we? Well, I know if I do this, she will do this. You with me? Hallelujah. We love the person. The person. We love what the person does for us. We do whatever we can to get more of of that experience to be satisfied in our spouse, right? To we laid down everything for that pleasure, which is which is what? Worship. Maybe you don't have a spouse. Maybe you maybe it's um maybe you do that for your kids. Right? What's that what is so you do all that for your kids. What is that? Worship of your kids. Well I need them to do this for me. I need them to be quiet for a minute so I'm going to get them a bowl of ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's worship. And what, and what happens then if they can't meet that? What happens oftentimes? We leave. We leave. When, if you look at Christ's view of love, it says, I'm with you through thick and thin, no matter how hard or how bad you get, I'm with you forever. It's about what I can give to you, not what you can give back to me. So, with all that being said, let me lay out a clear picture of this narrative that I just read about creation. I'm as clear as I can in this narrative. God creates everything that exists, and he says that it's good, including sex and relationships. Including sex. Remember last week I said, God created sex and said it was good. hallelujah He puts man and woman the first ordained family man and woman in the garden right It's the beginning of what a family unit looks like and he puts he puts he puts so he puts man and woman the beginning of a family in the garden to enjoy what he has created. What he has created was never meant to terminate in and of itself or to find fulfillment in and of itself. But rather was meant to stir up in us a gratitude or a joy and worship of God that is in creation. What the spirit of Jezebel tries to do, is it deceives you into thinking that your identity, who you are, and your fulfillment is found in something that was created. That's why you hear pe- that's why people are often trying to get to the next level in their sex in their sexuality. Right? What is where can I get my next fulfillment? When our fulfillment was never intended to be found in that creation, or our identity was never meant to be found in an act that we would do that God created. Right. This is why I've never understood the identity theory. We were never meant to find our identity, especially our sexual identity, in created things, but in the Creator. For you are created in God's image, not your sexual preference. So everything that exists, exists not... So that it would terminate on itself, but rather that in an experience of it It would roll up into worship and joy in its creator But instead we tend to worship created things Right this goes for anything that goes again. This goes for anything that goes against the way God designed it to work It's why Paul would write to us in Romans when he says this throughout human history the fingerprint of God were upon them in the Old Testament. There's a verse kind of relative to that in Ecclesiastes 3:11 that says, "God placed eternity in man's heart to know right from wrong." So, throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them. Yet they refused to honor Him as God, or even be thankful for His kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts. Jezebel, stepped steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools, for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, or even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand, and let them let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion, and this is, goes for any sexual perversion, whether it be any sex outside of the way God designed it to work inside the realm of marriage between a man and a woman. This is why I get so mad at other churches who pull out homosexuality, but they won't talk about other sexual sins, because it, it, the same verses that talk about homosexuality talks about the per, the man and the woman who are sleeping with each other outside of the, the marriage covenant, Okay. God lifted up his restraining hand and let them have full expressions of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring the bodies by, the, by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praise to him forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions. Inflamed with lust for one another, Men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. For their deviation. So, with that understanding, Genesis 2 ends by them saying they were naked and unashamed. You fast forward a little bit to chapter 3. Eve is confronted by Satan disguised as something familiar. Right, they're in a garden. Want to be familiar to him, a serpent, because when Satan is a created being. He cannot create anything new, so he has to take something that's familiar and distort it, <coughs> much like sex. All right, convinces her not to, and convinces her not to be obedient to God by taking up the tree. Um, they become aware of their nakedness and now they now they're it's in chapter 3 it, well, it says if you read it that they are naked and ashamed So before before they were naked and they were unashamed then they commit treason and they immediately feel shame Shame and hide from God and I don't know if you ever try to play hide and seek from God he finds you, find you. <laughs> Okay um, So God comes in and he says what have you done? You fractured what I created to be rhythmic and full of peace. And you fractured your own chance at, at the fullness of joy. You realize what you've done. This is like the conversation God's having with Adam and Eve. But listen to what he does. Listen to what he does. He doesn't kill them. What does he do? man knows the story. He kills an innocent lamb and makes clothes for them to cover up their nakedness. even though they traded the truth of God for a lie, even though they traded the worship of God to worship his creation, he still clothed them and gave them grace and mercy. So where does this leave us now, right? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4, he says this, even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing. For their minds have been blinded by God, blinded by the God of this age, and that's talking about Satan, okay? Le- leaving them in unbelief, their blindness keeps them from seeing the day light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. Who is the divine image of God? And what are we blinded to? How does this blindness work? How does this veil that's been placed over us work? It's it's divisive. It's it's blinding to us of what truth really is. That's why you hear stuff like that. Well, that may be your truth, but it's not my truth. No, no, truth is either truth or it's not true. Right? Then you can go to one extreme and say, Well, this person believes it's okay to murder. We all know it's not okay to murder. You with me? But there's only one truth, and we've been blinded to the truth of what God really wants. So you may have, it's skewed skewed truths that sound good on the surface, but really are not true at all. You may, probably the most common one I can mention earlier was, well, I was born this way. And the truth is, you were born that way. Let's be honest, right? You were born to a sin nature, just like I was, with the desires of the flesh, just like I was, just like I would desire to sleep with every beautiful woman I would see in, in my life, which is why in high school I was known to be the hope for show, you know what I'm saying? Like I would sleep with everything that would breathe. That, that would be, that was me, right? The truth is you were born that way, not in, in the way you think, though, I would agree that you were born in sin with a sin nature with fleshly desires, just like me, even, just like me, even though I was born in my sin nature with the desire to sleep with women and you and your, you and your sin nature to, and desire to sleep with the same sex, it does not excuse me in regards to what God has commanded in my sexuality, either what God commanded is true or it's not. And as a believer, we are saying we believe what this word says in its entirety. So what does he command in regards to our sexuality, no matter if you're straight or not? right? Here's what he commands. God's will is for you to be set apart for him in holiness. You are called to be set apart, holy and blameless before God that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. <laughs> yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity. So, what does God say specifically about homosexuality? Right? Then we'll answer the question in the way that it was written. All right. First thing it says is this. First Corinthians 6. 9. Surely you must know that people... Who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, or homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, uh, verbal abuse, or extortion, well, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. Again, why does the church just point out one particular sin that raises above every other? He gives a whole list of a bunch of stuff. You with me? 11 says this, it's true that some of you once lived, once lived in those lifestyles, so you're not anymore. You've been rescued from those things, but now you have been purified from sin, made holy and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the powerful power, of, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit, our God, all of us in this room as believers have been saved from something, and that's something, that's a reason to praise. It may not have been homosexuality, it may not be sexual, reversed, it may be something else on that list, but that's something that we can praise about is that he rescued us, that that's not our label anymore. All right. First Timothy one eight says, we know that the moral code of the law is beautiful when applied to God as God intended, but actually the law was not established for the righteous people, but to bring conviction of sin to the unrighteous. The law was established to bring the revelation of sin to the evildoers and rebellious sinners without God. Those who are vicious and perverse, and to those who strike their father or their mother, sinners, murderers, rapists, those who are sexually impure, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, those who break their oaths, and to all those who oppose the teaching of the good, uh, of the god, godliness, and the purity in the church—they are the ones of all it's for. Hebrews 13.1, No matter, no matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer. Show hospitality. Show <laughs> so, hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from, uh, from God, showing up as your guests. Identify those who are in prison as though you are as though you are the as though you were suffering with them, and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to the, one another, for God will judge sexual immorality in any form. Whether single or married. That encompasses any kind of sexual immorality, right? Mark 10, 6, but from the beginning God created male and female. For this reason a man would leave his parents and be wedded to his wife. And the husband and wife will be joined as one flesh, and after they no longer exist, after, after no longer they exist, exist as two, but one flesh, and this is why sexual immorality it doesn't just affect the body, it affects the soul, you because you can become connected as one on a spiritual level. Two become one. So there you have it. What God has joined together, what how God designed things to work, no one has the right to split apart. You don't, society, nor you have the right to redefine what marriage and relationships should look like. First Corinthians 7-2 perhaps but because of the danger of immorality each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife and each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband and nobody else but the one who joins himself to the lord is mingled into one spirit with him this is why you must keep running away from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is eternal to the body. But immorality involves, uh, involves sinning against your own body. Have you forgotten that your body is now a sacred temple of the, whole, of, the, of the Spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary verse 20 says you are god's expensive purchase <laughs> page four with the tears with the tears of blood so by all means then use your body to bring glory to god here's the thing just like any sin everyone is redeemable it's our job to call all to reconciliation with the Lord. That's our job as believers. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians <laughs> 5.11 he says this, he says since we are those who stand in the holy awe of the Lord we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. We know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully and I hope that we are Are also well known to your conscience. Our call is to reconcile the world, including our friends who practice any sexual immorality, back to reconciliation with God. So, is it a sin to hang out or be friends with someone who is homosexual? How do you navigate that? Well, first we have to realize that they are not your enemy. They are human beings created in the image of God, and we only have one enemy, and that's Satan. To answer this question, we have to look at the author and perfecter of our faith. And one of the things that Jesus got in trouble for and was well known for was being friends to what? Sinners. He ate meals with them, broke bread with them with grace and truth. So on a surface level, here's how I'm answer that question. No, it is not wrong for you to hang out with or be friends with somebody who practices homosexuality, just like it's not wrong for you to have be friends who practice any form of sexual immorality. But our faith should motivate us to pursue the reconciliation with God. That should always be our motive. It's okay to be up front with them. Hey, I just want you to be the God that can give you more satisfaction than what you're living now. So, but here's where it gets kind of complex. <laughs> Forgetting just the idea, is my friendship condoning this lifestyle? and my friendship making this lifestyle seem like it's okay? And if, if you feel that way, then you, for the sake of their soul, you probably really should remove yourself. Yeah, okay. Here's my thought. I would say that I think at some point you have to have a dialogue about the scripture and what God says in the scripture, and how they land on that. Something. simple. But just as a general rule in any area, not just this one, when somebody who, these were the wisdom cussing in it, this is, this is what said to me this week. <laughs> but when someone says, I don't care what the Bible says, um, I'm doing what I want I know what the Bible says I believe what the Bible says but I'm going to do what I want I think that that's grounds for the relationship to change and the nature of the relationship then is that the deep communion that we enjoyed as brothers and sisters in Christ that safety where we can confess and we can walk together deeply changes and as Paul would tell us, Paul would tell us that if somebody gets to that point where they say, "I know what the truth is," I'm choosing to. Otherwise, it's to treat them as unbelievers, and your tactics can change. That doesn't mean you, they have leprosy and you can't touch them, right, or be around them. That just means that from now on, every time we do see them, we're pleading with them to be reconciled to God. You know the truth. You know the truth can set you free. I'm pulling you back from that lifestyle. Please turn back to God. Please be reconciled to God. Please. Repent and turn back to God. So, outside of that scenario, be friendly, be a witness, sit at the table and break bread. But you must set up just like I would. All right? If Zayn or Lyric moved out of my house, moved in with somebody, and they were getting freaky with uh, their other spouse. They're having a sexual relationship with their other person they weren't married to. They can come have Thanksgiving dinner with me. They're going to stay the night. Guess what's happening? They're sleeping in separate rooms. You with me? Same thing in this city, you know. Like, hey, listen, we're going to hang around, but listen, you're not going to do this in my home because I don't believe in it. I don't agree with that lifestyle. It's kind of it's a, it's a, we can agree on basic humanity stuff that everybody's looking for love, but I can't agree with that lifestyle. So far my house, here's what we believe is, is here. Just like you would do, like I would do with Zane or Lyric for anybody, right? Show love, show compassion, be grace and truth, just like Jesus was. It's at the end, we're all just looking for love, and we just got to introduce them to the one true love, that's Jesus. So, is it a sin? Nope but it does become a sin when you become a condoning of that life, of the lifestyle that's the opposite of the way that God has for things to work without ever speaking truth to if you're not ever speaking truth you probably should for the sake of their soul step out of it but if you're willing to speak truth by all means order some pizza get a glass of wine Hey, that's what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about lifestyle. You don't, you don't have to agree with me up front. Just know, I'm praying for your reconciliation. I'm praying for this to be redeemed. Everybody good? I think I kind of sock it to Satan one more time. God, we want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity and really the truth and the fact that you created things to operate in a certain way because you wanted us to find the ultimate joy Thing that you have created. (laughs) So I bind up any spirit that's in here, any Jezebel spirit in the hearts of people here. Or any in the hearts of people that are connected here. I pray that Jezebel spirit gets gets evicted. And that they see the truth that you are loved and that they are loved by you. God, thank you so much for allowing me to kick Satan in his teeth today. That when we leave out of here, we can still praise because you're so good and you're still God. And you have the power to change not only life, but lifestyles. So lift the veil off of our eyes so that we can see the truth that is found in you and in your name. And I pray all this in your name.